Hi, everybody. Tim Anderson here. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate your time. It's good to be with you again. We're talking real estate appraisal, and we call this one use pap and unintentional omissions. Did you really mean to omit the cost approach from your appraisal? Appraisers commonly omit the cost approach. The question is, omit it from what? To omit an approach from the appraisal is different from omitting it from the report. If you omit it from the appraisal, you're saying it was not part of your value conclusion. If you omit it from the report, you're saying it was not relevant to answer the appraisal question. So, why did you omit it? Was this intentional or unintentional? If we omit the cost approach, are we also omitting an analysis of the site value? Appraisers must explain any such omission carefully. Why? Simple. With that omission, is the value opinion still credible? Are there other reasons not to omit the cost approach? Typically, the appraiser justifies this omission via a statement that depreciation is hard to calculate in an older property. Let's learn all the reasons why this is simply wrong. And because it simply is wrong, to engage in it is misleading. Its application also calls into question the appraiser's relationship with USPAP's competency and ethics rules. First, depreciation is not hard to calculate. In the age-life method, it has two components. These are the effective age and the total economic life. Divide the effective age by the total economic life. And what do you end up with? The result is an accrued depreciation as a percentage. That's it. It's no more complex than the division of one number by another. And the spreadsheet does all the mathematical heavy lifting. Next in the parade of faulty reasoning is the statement, quote, but effective age is just a guess, unquote. This, too, is completely basis. Effective age is capable of easy extraction from the market. It's just that in our QE, nobody showed you how to extract effective age from comparable improved sales. It's basic stuff. There are apps for this. There are videos all over YouTube that show you how to deduce an improved property effective age. So no, it's not a guess. And a credible value conclusion does not have its base in a guess. If you think it does, you'd best go back and take all your QE again. But this time, take it from a qualified and competent appraiser, not an enthusiastic sales entrepreneur. Third in this parade of faulty reasoning and excuses is the statement, quote, I didn't have to do a cost approach, so I didn't have to conclude a vacant site value, unquote. It is true that market value refers to the total of the site value and the improvement's contributory value, but we can't measure effective age until we calculate the contributory value of the improvements. This is not possible until we deduct the vacant site value from a property's overall market value, and we can't deduce accrued depreciation until we know both a property's overall value and its cost new. What's the point of all this? Omission of the cost approach from the appraisal robs us of needed analyses. It robs the client of needed reliability. It calls into question the accuracy of our conclusions. In turn, these call into question the credibility of our opinions. 
When our credibility is open to question, so is our relationship to the ethics and competency rules. Therefore, make the protocols of the cost approach part of every single family house appraisal and report. Let's save the state the trouble of calling into question our competency, etc. Why is it important to have a site value? First is the issue of comparability. A truly comparable sale has the same or highly similar highest and best use as the subject. This is true for both the site as if vacant and the site as improved. Then, there is the issue of the necessary adjustments to the comparable sales. If there are significant differences between the subject site and the comparable sites, the comps need adjustments. How can we quantify such an adjustment? Don't we need to know the values of the subject site and the comparable sites, both as a vacant? Spoiler alert, yes, we do. And how do you know if a comparable vacant site or improved property is comparable? A comparable sale is one that has the same highest and best use as the subject. This is another truth nobody taught us in QE. So, we first must know the subject's highest and best use, both as if vacant and then as improved. If a sale does not have the same highest and best use of the subject, it can't be a comparable. If it's not a comparable, it's not a substitute for the subject. If it's not a substitute for the subject, it cannot substitute for the subject's market value. Therefore, it's clear. We analyze the subject to understand its highest and best use as vacant and improved. We analyze the comparables to understand their highest and best use as vacant and as improved. Only when we've reached this level of enlightenment can we choose or reject them as comparable sales. Because our QE training in the cost approach was so deficient, we do not know how it works. Even worse, we do not know we do not know this. If we did, then we would not make one common mistake. That mistake is not understanding the cost approach and the sales comparison approach both measure the same components of value. That is, they both measure the value of the underlying site and the contributory value of the improvements. How? The cost approach serves as a check on the accuracy of the sales comparison approach calculations. How? By extracting accrued depreciation from market sales. When you apply market-based depreciation to cost new, the result is market value, not merely depreciated cost. Properly depreciating the cost new is what turns anemic construction costs into robust-blooded market value. So, another reason to include the cost approach is its ability to show market-based and market-extracted accrued depreciation. Effective age is a function of how much depreciation the market assigns to improvements. We all know that markets fluctuate, so the prices in those markets fluctuate. This fluctuation is, in part, a function of how much functional and external obsolescence the market recognizes at any given time. When interest rates were 2.5%, the market did not recognize much accrued depreciation. This is one reason prices were high and properties did not stay on the market all that long. Now that interest rates have been as high as 7% and remain well over 5%, prices have fallen. We can attribute much of this decrease to the market's recognition of greater amounts of accrued depreciation. The market recognizes a higher effective age when interest rates are high than when they're low. 
How does the market do this? Falling prices mean a higher effective age, which means greater accrued depreciation. So the cost approach is central to the credible calculation of a property's effective age. In turn, this is central to a credible value opinion. Is there more? Yes, there's more. When the appraiser completes the cost approach credibly, it reflects nothing other than the fee-simple market value of the dirt, bricks, and sticks. Nothing else. So, we look at the value via the sales comparison approach. Is it a lot higher than the value via the cost approach? If so, there are numerous potential reasons for this. Have we factored out of the sales comparison approach the contributory value of any non-market financing? Is not factoring out the inflationary effects of financing the only culprit here? If it is the only one, then there are no more calculations to worry about. Simply subtract from the sales comparison approach enough to make it and the cost approach equal. That factor was the market's perception of the inflationary value of the financing. So here's the point. The cost approach does not stand alone. It is not merely one indication of market value. Indeed, as an indication of market value, it does a lousy job in and of itself. Therefore, let it serve as what it is supposed to be. Let it serve as a complement to the sales comparison approach. When it does, it has great potential to form part of a credible value conclusion. When we let it function as it should, it gives us two reliable indications of market value sales comparison, and cost. When we use it as we should, it goes a long way toward protecting us. Protecting us from what? From charges of bias and discrimination, from charges of incompetency, from charges of unethical conduct, from charges we don't have a clue what we're doing. Aren't those great reasons to include rather than omit the cost approach in the market analysis of every single family house appraisal you do? Spoiler alert, yes, they are. If we omit the cost approach from an appraisal, that's okay. Own it. Make it clear we omit it if it is irrelevant to a credible answer to the appraisal question. That's the appraiser's way to omit it. To claim it's hard to calculate accrued depreciation is the form fillers, the coward's way out. We are not cowards. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. I'm Tim Anderson, the Appraiser's Advocate. If I can ever be of help to you, please get in touch with me, Tim, at theappraisersadvocate.com. It will be a pleasure to know you. It will be an honor to work with you. Until then, please let me extend my personal best to you and your family. And here's a question for you. Are your professional fees professional enough? And at that point, with that question, yes, we are clear.